Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Glendale, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. And uh, Shaq, you already know the deal. Anytime that Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje step inside the UFC's octagon, let, al let alone against each other, it's guaranteed violence. Yeah, man. You know, these two are both legends in the game. And when it comes to violence, neither guy has any boring fights. I mean, each guy always lays it out on the line each time they fight. And we, we, and we know most likely someone's going to die in that first round. Yeah, and I'm very excited to find out who, and you know, I know for a fact Dustin Poirier is focused on the task at hand, but I heard that Gaethje had some choice words for a good friend of the show, James Vick. Yeah, man, he's talking real reckless. I mean, I think he's got uh, other things to be worried about, but uh, he uh, said he was going to slap Vick when he sees him, so let's see if he's a man of his word. Vic said, uh, run up and get done up, and it's kind of funny, because if I had a fight with Dustin Poirier, that'd be the only thing on my fucking mind, Shaq. Exactly. So, you know, we'll see what happens on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I'm excited to find out. And, you know, in, in case anyone missed the recap, had a nice little solid 2-0 and night the other night at UFC 223. Cashed two underdog plays and still champion Rose Nama Yunus, three units at plus 125. Plus our boy Gritzmacher just retired Lozon as a plus 150 underdog. Unfortunately, our Kiesa bet got canceled. But, hey, 2-0, 6.75 units. Uh, I'll, I'll take the winning night. Yeah, you know, of course we wanted the 3-0, but, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, my boy Connor is throwing dollies through buses, but, you know, it is what it is, and shout-out to Gritzmacher and still Rose Nama Yunus, and, you know, it's funny because Mike Brown and Trevor Whitman went up against each other last week, and Trevor got the win, and they're going up against each other this week, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see who gets the win this week, and real quick, before we break down the card, if anyone's looking to sign up to Best Fight Picks, just go to bestfightpicks.com, use the promo code MATADOR to save 15% off any package, make sure the M in MATADOR is lowercase, and uh, we'll hook you up, because look, we got two more UFC events in April, plus a Bellator max bet, so uh, April's a pretty fucking big month for us, Shaq. Man, April's a huge month. Next week, UFC Atlantic City is one of the biggest nights in the history of the company, man. It's going to be a huge night, a lot of money, risk, and most likely another undefeated night. Yeah, I'm excited, man, because Max Best season has already started. And what we're going to do with this card is we'll start off with the Fox prelims. We'll go to the main card. And then uh, for all you, all you Fight Pass watchers, because I know Fight Pass has been fucking up lately, We'll do the five pass prelims for you too, but first up in the middleweight division, a pivotal matchup between Brad Tavares. He's minus 140. The comeback on Christoph Jocko is plus 120. Now, remember when they were hyping up my boy Christoph Jocko and uh, they called him Chris Jocko? Man, you know, Dan, as you know, me and you were very high on Christoph Jocko a few years ago. I mean, we rode this guy all the way to the top 15, and, you know, he's let us down the last two fights today, Branch fight. <laughs> I don't know if it's growing pains or was Christoph Yako a fraud? You know, I, I don't know because look, when I, before the matchup, you know, I, I'm thinking he's going to light Dave Branch up from the outside and won an easy 30-27 decision. But then turns out the stand-up was 50-50 for the most part. You know, he's getting tied up against the fence, putting his hands up. You know, the takedowns, there really wasn't much resistance. I know Dave Branch is a gorilla in the tie-ups, but, you know, I Christoph, as the top 15 guy, would be able to handle it, and that wasn't the case. And then the Uriah Hall fight, look, you know, there, it's a fine line. you got to realize, look, I'm not going to finish finish this guy, and he completely gassed himself out, and, you know, he got knocked out in the second round. Now I understand. Now he's down two fights. Back is completely against the wall, and 
as we've seen in the past, when guys' backs are against the wall, they come out and have some of the best performances. So, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. And Brad Tavares, I mean, ever since you know he had that uh, little rough stretch when he was getting knocked out by Bosch and um, the champ Rob Whitaker, he's been on point, man. He beat Elias, he beat Tyus, but those guys, you know, I expect him to beat. I think this is a tougher fight. I'm actually surprised that most of the action came in on Kristoff. But personally, I think Brad Tavares has more advantages in this fight. I think he's got better hands. I think he's got harder kicks. And Kristoff, I feel like he's abandoned his kicks. You know, I think Kristoff might have a speed advantage, you know, for the first round. But, you know, I feel like he's been punching real wide and sloppy these days, man. So he wouldn't be shocked if he had a great performance. But I think Brad Tavares can mix it up and go to the takedowns as well. We've seen his, uh, how good his wrestling is in the past. And I just think he's got more advantages in this fight. So you're picking Brad via de- uh, decision? Yeah, you know my Brad doesn't. My boy Brad does not finish fights. All his wins are by decision. You know it's an interesting battle because look, it's a fight between the two best point fighters in the UFC middleweight division. You know Brad Tavares versus Christoph Jocko. Look, Brad Tavares, he's the harder hitter. He's got nasty leg kicks. He's more patient out there. He probably has the better cardio. But I think Christoph, even though. If you look at the stats, it doesn't say that he's more active. I think that his style with all those feints will make the judges think that he's being more active, especially since this is going to be a stand-up fight. I know Brad Tavares ain't going to come out here like a bitch and try to hug Kristoff against the wall. And I also know Kristoff isn't about to hurt Brad early, blow his load, and then get caught. This is going to be a three-round striking affair. And I actually think that favors Kristoff Jocko because, look, I know Brad Tavares has some heavy leg kicks. I know he's going to land a couple along the way, but I do think throughout the fight, the the movement of Kristoff, the jab of Kristoff, I think he's going to bring back that left kick. I think his back's up against the wall. I think he's got a point to prove. I think we're going to see the guy that we used to say, if this fight hits a split decision, you know it's going to go to Jocko. So I, I think we're going to see old Kristoff back here, and it's going to be a very closely contested 29-28 unanimous decision, possibly a split for Kristoff Jocko. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Wilson Hayes. He's minus 130, and the comeback on John Moraga is plus 110. Now, uh, John Moraga is an underdog in Arizona. What do you think about that? Yeah, man, he's got redemption uh, in his hometown. You know, the first one didn't go as Reagan Sergio. And, you know, just the other day, everyone thought John Moraga was done. You know, we all faded him against uh, Bubba Lata at a ridiculous line, and, you know, we all paid the price. And, John Moraga, we know what he's capable of, but in the past, he's just been this guy that, you know, would accept takedowns and just, you know, accept things, and you would just kind of see that lack of fire in his eyes, man, so he kind of stayed away from him, but, you know, these last two fights, he's definitely been doing his thing. Um, Wilson Hayes, you know, I've always tried to fade Wilson in the past, you know, I mean, there's no secret, he is very chinny, and I mean, his uh, striking hasn't developed the way you would think it has with the camp that he's at and, you know, how long he's been fighting, you know, his stand-up really hasn't improved. You know, of course, he knows uh, how to get on the inside and tie guys up. And obviously, that's pretty much kind of dry. It's a striker versus a grappler. You know, even though Maraga is a dealing wrestler, we've seen him get taken down several times in the past. And we've seen Wilson get wobbled several times in the past. But I think Maraga's uh, not hitting a stride, but I think Maraga's about to go on a little three, four, five winning streak, possibly. And uh, I think he's going to keep it standing, and I think if he keeps it standing, he will knock Wilson Hayes out. Yeah, I mean, well said, man. Look, it comes down to a couple things, because when Wilson Hayes grabs a hold of people, he grown men's grown men. I mean, you saw that fight against Dustin Ortiz, and Dustin Ortiz is one of the premier grinders 
in the flyweight division. And uh, Wilson Hayes taught him a lesson that, look, there's levels to this shit, son. But with John Moraga, those calf kicks, the way he set up Bibulatov, it wasn't just a left hook, man. He set him up with the calf kicks right from the jump, hit him with a big right, knocked him out with the left hook. And now with Wilson Hayes, it's, you know, you know, I hate to be the guy that's like, oh, but if he keeps it standing, he wins. If he hits the mat, he loses. Look, John Moraga is a D1 wrestler. Make no mistake about it. However, if there has been a weakness in the past, it has been when guys have been able to grind him out. That being said, I, I think he has what it takes to keep this fight standing, pop that jab, hit those calf kicks, and like you said, potentially knock out Wilson Hayes. That being said, if, uh, if this gets into a scramble heavy fight, you know, if this becomes a scramble fest, Wilson will have the advantage. But as long as John can keep this standing, uh, you know, he can touch that chin of Wilson Hayes and put him out. So I, I agree with you, man. I got the underdog here, John Moraga. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Muslim Salikov. He's minus 185. The comeback on Ricky Rainey is plus 160. Now, initially, it was supposed to be our boy Razak, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan taking on Muslim Salikov. And for those that don't know, I mean, we've max bet this guy pretty much every single fight he's had in the UFC. Razak Al-Hassan has been an absolute money train. But now they're bringing in the Bellator vet, the NFC vet, Ricky Rainey, to take on Muslim Salikov. And uh, what's your opinion? Yeah, you know, I'm happy for Ricky Rainey. You know, I've seen him fight on the local scene in the past, and, you know, he worked his way up to the big leagues. Um, I think he's got a good matchup here, and I actually think he is very live in this fight. Um, look, Muslim Salikov, this king of spin, king of, what is it, Dan? King of kung fu, spin? Yeah, the king I of mean, spin. <laughs> come on, guys. His spinning, his spinning ain't shit. Like, uh, <laughs> I think uh, maybe when he was younger, you know, maybe it uh, was effective, but let's be honest, look at the region where he was fighting in on the local scene and look at the guy who was fighting that, the guys who he was fighting, man, he was fighting jobbers. And, you know, I think this might be a case of a complete fraud situation. And, you know, I know he's training with Mark Henry and those guys down there, but I think he is towards the tail end of his career. I mean, uh, those spins look super labored. And I mean, his take on the fence was suspect. I know he's fighting Alex Garcia, but don't sleep on my boy Ricky Rainey's tie up in his clinch game. And um, on the feet, man, Ricky Rainey's got power. It's just that historically, Ricky Rainey is one of these guys that, you know, we refer to him as the Terry on of the middleweight division. You know what I'm saying? He he wins a lot of fights that he loses. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he likes to lose a lot of close decisions that he wins. You know, I thought he beat Chitty. I thought he uh, beat Diego Lima. But, you know, they didn't go his way. And typically, sometimes you don't like to go on that side. But I do think this is a case of, uh, I don't think Muslim Salikov is going to have a long future moving forward. You know, he might win this fight, but I just don't think he's going to hang around long term. I think he's lucky Razak and uh, Razak Al-Hassan got injured because I think he was going to take a canvas nap. And uh, I'm going to go with Ricky Randy, actually, man, by uh, unanimous decision. Yeah, look, I don't think it's a bad pick, but there's a common theme on this entire card, and we'll get to it when we talk about Courtney Casey. We'll get to it when we talk about Luke Sanders. You know, the... Ricky Rainey is what we like to refer to as an underperformer, you know, because a lot of these fights, I think he wins, and uh, the judges don't like to give it to him. So, look, he's going to come out here. It's going to look like he won this fight against Muslim Salikov, and they're going to give it to Muslim Salikov. And, look, Muslim's uh, biggest flaw, you know, is his submission defense. The two times he l he's lost are via rear naked choke, and, you know, he wasn't even fighting the hands. You know, he'll tap that mat right away. But the thing is, Ricky Rainey only has one fight, only has one win via submission. Not saying he can't get his second submission win here, but we know Ricky Rainey is a striker. And, man, that fight with Chidi and Jaquani, 
was super close. A lot of us thought that Ricky Rainey might have won that fight. And, you know, he might come out here and win this fight too. But I think this is one of those spots where Muslim Salikov can actually come out here and front run all the way to a decision. So I I'm going to go with Salikov here. And next up in the middleweight division, we got Antonio Carlos Jr. He's minus 265. And the comeback on Tim Bosch is plus 225. Now, every once in a while, Tim Bosch has the knack for getting that big upset. I mean, you remember that fight against Yushin Okami with the big uppercuts. You, rem you remember when he head kicked, knocked out Johnny Hendricks. He's got a bunch of knockouts on his highlight reel. You think he's going to add uh, the surging Carlos Jr. To, to that list? And Tim Bosch, like you just mentioned, man, he's a, he's a good underdog, man. He's cashed as an underdog several times and in that same range that he's in right now you know that plus 200 on uh up range man so tim uh, tim bosch is that guy you know you never know what type of guy are you going to get are you going to get fat tim bosch or are you going to get in shape tim bosch <laughs> and uh, if it's fat tim bosch i fully expect this to be a uh first round submission you know what i'm saying but um if it's in shape tim bosch i think it can be a competitive fight i think tim is a uh, super game but you know, I think Antonio Carlos Jr., ever since the Dan Kelly fight, has completely turned the corner in his career. He's taking everything seriously. He's making improvements every fight. And I actually think he is the top 15 guy that uh, a lot of people think he is, man. And I think he is going to get a finish over Tim Bosch. I think he's going to keep his range on the feet, pop him with a jab, just like how he did the Marshman, a similar uh, body frame, similar matchup. And uh, I think he's going to do his thing on the mat, man. I think uh, when it hits the mat, I think Tim's going to be completely out of water. And uh, Antonio will move on to that top 15. Yeah, look, Antonio Carlos Jr., he's paid his dues. You know, he had to... He had to cut his teeth. He had to go there against Dan Kelly, against Pat Cummins. He took his first two UFC L's. And now the kid's on a streak. And I think people forget he's only 25, 26 years old. He's just a kid, Shaq, and he's getting better every single day. That fight, that performance he put up against Marshman, not only did he choke him out, Shaq, he beat him on the feet as well. And I think right here against Tim Bosch. This is a measuring stick. We're going to find out exactly where Antonio Carlos Jr. lies in that middleweight division. If he can come out here and steamroll a guy like Tim Bosch, we're going to know, okay, kid, you're in the top 15. You're for real. I'm glad they didn't give him someone like Elias because, you know, we know he'd smoke Elias. But now with Tim Bosch, <laughs> Tim Bosch is the real perennial tough out. And, uh, you know, Tim Bosch hits like a truck. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is he D1 wrestling? Yes, he is. He's a D1 wrestler. He's very experienced, over 10 UFC fights. I mean, he's coming in for a six-figure paycheck. So much respect to Tim Bosch. I simply think that right now Antonio Carlos Jr. is firing on a different frequency. I think that'll show in this fight. And uh, I see the favorite getting the win. I was actually surprised that the line wasn't a little wider. I thought people were going to steam it all the way to minus 400. But, you know, minus 265 is about right in my opinion. So I'm going to go with Antonio Carlos Jr. here uh, via rear naked choke finish main card courtney casey she's minus 130 the comeback on michelle watterson the karate hottie is plus 110 now shack we've been known to fade the karate hottie and uh you're gonna do that here as well um you know uh we'll find out and see man because you know courtney casey like we mentioned before about these underperformers is an underperformer she's a 500 fighter she lost to pearl gonzalez she lost to emily kagan in amateurs she got dropped by Jessica Aguilar. I mean, you know, look, I, I understand that Michelle Watterson's a quitter, and she. I don't think Michelle Watterson's tough at all. I think that she's one of the more mentally weak uh, fighters in the strawweight division, and it wouldn't shock me if uh, 
Courtney broke her down and, you know, touched that chin because, you know, she does have a five-inch reach advantage. And like I said, I don't think Watson's tough. The thing with Courtney Casey is I know she's only 30 years old, but I feel like she strikes me as a little more older, man, than the way she takes damage and the way she reacts to a lot of things, the way her body shuts down at times. And, uh, and her fight IQ, man, it's just, you know, what's her UFC record, Dan? Three and four. What's her record when fights go to decision? One and four. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, I just, uh, those type of things, you know, it's hard to rely on those type of things because, you know, the female game definitely uh, likes to go the, the three-round distance a lot. And, um, you know, it's a 50-50 fight in my opinion. I'm actually going to take Watterson here. I think, you know, Casey will find ways to mess this up, man. I feel like Watterson's going to get her typical head of mind throw. I do think there's going to be a lot of hairy moments. And like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if Casey broke her down. But Casey, according to Casey strikes me as a uh, as a fighter that makes a lot of mental mistakes and uh, doesn't capitalize on the pivotal moments. You know, I think anyone can go out there and beat up Jessica Aguilar, you know, or, you know, like that. And, you know, the Rando win, you know, that was, you know, Rando's a 500 fighter too. So uh, I'm going to go to Watterson. Yeah, look, Courtney Casey is what we like to refer to as a habitual underperformer. I mean, she's so much better than her record shows, and a, a lot of those losses could be wins, man. It's just that she finds a way to lose. Like, that's just the the story for her, man. You know, in that Herrig fight, she sat back too much and got out-volumed. You know, a couple more shots, and she could have won the decision. You know, against Aguilar, I know she won the fight, but why are you giving up takedowns to a 50 year old woman that fight against joanne calderwood you're teeing off you got her hurt and then you pull a medi baghdad and you go for a flying arm bar i'm like is this chick serious you know and that's been the history you know throughout her whole career man so you know she's got a totally winnable fight here with michelle waterson she's way bigger she's tougher she's younger she's fresher I mean, Michelle Watterson, what she got? All she's got is a head and arm throw and a sidekick. And, you know, she's kind of hot. And that, that that's about the extent of it, Shaq. But, you know, how, how is Courtney Casey going to find a way to lose this one? You know what I'm saying, man? I'll tell you how. You know, she's going to sit back, not do enough. And Michelle Watterson's probably going to come out here and win a decision. Look, I'm going to pick Courtney Casey because I actually think she's a way better fighter. I think if she lets things go and she fights up to her potential – I think she can hurt Michelle Watterson. I think she can close her eyes. I think she can go out there and choke her out. It's just I can't rely on her to do that based on her history, man. I mean, like you said, she ain't even a 500 fighter, bro. She's a 3-4 and four fighter in the UFC, 7-5 and five overall, habitual underperformer, not someone I trust with my money. But uh, I do think that she has a lot of advantages here, and if she actually uh, performs up to her abilities, I think Courtney Casey can win this fight handily. It's just... Can you trust her to do that? No, I can't. But the pick is Courtney Casey. Now, I mean, Dan, we've been waiting, we've been waiting for her to fight to her abilities for the last three years. You know what I'm saying, man? It's like eventually you gotta just understand that she is what she is, and that's the bottom line. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Israel Adesanya. He's minus two sixty-five, and the comeback on Marvin Vittori is plus 225. Now, I know we were joking around a little bit. You know, his name's the Italian Dream. Uh, someone said the Italian Scheme, but, you know, I, I got respect for Marvin Vittori. He's a very tough guy. He's very physical for the division. Now, a lot of people are under the impression here that this fight hits the mat one time, and all of a sudden, uh, it's going to be over. All of a sudden, Marvin Vittori is going to submit Israel Adesanya. Now, I don't have any reason to believe that because the times that I've seen people attempt 
takedowns on Israel Adesanya. I mean, he goes for the underhooks. He knows how to push that head down. He knows how to pull the leg out. He knows how to sprawl. He knows how to wall walk. So as far as I'm concerned, the defensive gra grappling instincts for Israel Adesanya, he's shown all the right signs. Now it's just a step up in competition. So the question here, Shaq, is, is he ready for Marvin Vittori? You know, before his debut, they say, uh, you know, he contemplated pulling out the fight and that he went into the fight very injured. And to be honest, man, I thought Marvin lost to Omari his last fight. I didn't think the last round was a 10-8. I thought it was a 10-9. And I thought Omari won the first two rounds. And, you know, I think Marvin, you know, when he came in, you know, it's funny because I actually faded him in his debut against uh, Alberto Uda, thinking he was a little stiff. And, you know, he got through that. So, you know, you know kind of ignored him and let him move on. and. He has shown me that he is stiff, and he's shown me that his cardio is in question as well. I mean, even though he beat Vitor Miranda, I mean, that third round was very sloppy and ugly. I mean, he was huffing and puffing. What about the Antonio Carlos Jr. fight when he completely gassed out in the third round? And uh, what I'm noticing is from that Kings MMA camp, man, that style is uh, kind of dying down, man. They they kind of tend to blow out their loads. And, um, you know, I feel like if he does that against Israel, I think he's going to get absolutely teed off on that range man and i know israel's super green and make no mistake about it when his time uh when his time comes it will come but um i think marvin's still green as well man marvin's still a kid as well and uh i think he might be getting a little uh overwhelmed by the hype train man i think he might be stressing out a little bit over it man he's been saying uh he, he doesn't buy all the hype and you know what happens when uh Guys start saying these things out weeks before the fight. That means they're already slowly breaking, man. That means Israel's already in his already in his head, and I think Israel is said. I think Marvin's going to come out hard early, and I think he's going to gas out. And when he gas gases out, I think he's going to get teed off on. Yeah, you know what this kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of a couple weeks back when Sean O'Malley fought Andre Sukumta, and you know everyone was overly emotional. They overvalued. Andre Sukumtut, oh, Sean O'Malley's all hype, Sean O'Malley's all this. Now they're saying the same things about Israel, he's all hype. Yeah, the line didn't flip like it did in the O'Malley fight, but still, you know, people are under the impression that Israel isn't the real deal. Now look, I'm not saying throw Israel in there with a Brad Tavares or a Jocko or anything like that, far from it, but he's got Marvin Vittori here. Look, if you haven't figured out how to beat Alberto Uda and Vitor Miranda yet, I don't know what to say, and I 100% agree with you when you say that Omari won that fight, because you know what, Shaq? Omari did win that fight. And, uh, you know, bullshit judging, suspect judging, it's a part of the game. One of the judges scored the Ketlin Vieira fight for Kazingano. These things happen from time to time, you know? So, uh, that being said, man, if Marvin starts to gas out, which he has in many of his fights, he will get teed off on in a way where... He's never experienced anything like this before because, you know, Israel Adesanya is a real striker. I mean, go watch his glory fights, and I know someone's going to bring up the fact that, oh, he's been knocked out a couple times in glory. Tell me what glory striker hasn't been knocked out a couple times. You put Marvin Vittori in that glory ring, I guarantee you he's getting knocked out too. And, uh, look, I know Marvin's got the right training partners. I know he's got uh, Giga Chikadze and all that, but Israel's on a different level right now. So... Unless we're completely wrong and Israel is a fish, you know, out of water off his back, which I don't believe he is because we saw those grappling instincts, man. I mean, we saw him get back up from takedowns and that same guy that took him down. Yeah, I know Rob Wilkinson is a jobber, but look, Rob Wilkinson has taken down all of his opponents. He took down C.R. Bahadur Zada as well, man. So, 
You know, it, it's it's like one of those guys like Anton Zafir where he's not going to cut it in the UFC, but he still takes down his opponents in the first round. Anton Zafir took down my boy Li Jingliang. I know you remember that. So look, maybe Israel gets take, taken down early, but I think the longer the fight goes, Marvin's going to be huffing and puffing. His hands are going to be down at his waist. Israel's going to pick his shots, and I think it has a potential to be a highlight reel knockout. So I'm going to go with the favorite Israel Adesanya. Now Shaq, the co-main event of the evening. Initially, it was supposed to be Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown, which would have been incredible. But now it's still going to be great because we got Carlos Condit. He's he's a plus one seventy dog to Alex Cowboy Oliveira, who's minus two hundred. Who do you got? Man, uh, it's unfortunate to see the state of that uh, Carlos is in, and I think this is a case of a typical old vet on his way out the game. I think you know he's had enough. I think he already retired. I think he came back because, you know, I don't know what's going on in his personal life, but I, I'm assuming, you know, he didn't really have much options outside of fighting. You know, that and, coffee uh, that coffee shop wasn't working out too well. You no, know, the coffee shop wasn't working out too well, and I think he's a legend of the game, but I think his time has passed. I think his uh, time is uh, coming to an end. I think he's mentally checked out the game. I think, you know, he was a guy that was one of these reaction fighters, you know, his reaction speed had to be on point to win fights in the UFC, and I think he's a little older. I don't think his chin's as good, and I think his head is just completely out of it. And when the, once that uh, reaction and speed goes, man, you know, for example, like Bobby Green, you know, a guy that's a reaction fighter, you know, things uh, generally go south. And like I said, he's already mentally checked out the game. I think uh, Alex is going to brutalize him, man. I think Alex has a clear path to victory with the tie-up game and the takedowns. And, you know, I know Alex is coming off that war against Yancey where, you know, he did take a knee and quit, but I think uh, he hit everything with uh, hit Yancey with everything in the kitchen sink. And I'm not sure if Carlos can take that type of punishment these days. I think uh, Alex is going to come out here and uh, get a first or second round finish, man. To be honest, um, I just don't, I think they, they operate on two completely different frequencies. I think Neil Magny took it very easy on Condit. I think uh, Alex Scott-Boy is going to absolutely butcher him if he gets him in those spots. Yeah, look, I, I 100% agree with you on this one, man. You know, when fire, when fighters contemplate retirement and they say, you know, maybe I don't have what it takes to compete at this level anymore, get out the game ASAP because this isn't a game where you can question yourself like that. As soon as that retirement, that R word starts to hit your mind and starts to, you know, be a part of your vocabulary, get the fuck out. Now, I understand, you know, Carlos versus Matt Brown. Okay, you know, both those guys are contemplating retirement. That's kind of a legends fight. You know, that's almost like a fight you could see in Bellator. You know what I'm saying? Fucking, you know, have them headline Bellator. But right now, in this day and age, you're putting Carlos Conda in there against a young, fresh, hungry guy whose aspirations are the title. If you ask Carlos Conda what his aspiration is right now, I mean, I don't think he even knows. Actually, I do think he knows. He wants that 115K. Come get that six-figure paycheck real quick, back-to-back, -back, you know what I'm saying? And then don't fight for another year. Maybe retire after this fight. But for Alex Oliveira, he wants the belt, man. And I think that there's a difference in hunger. I also think if Alex Oliveira comes at Carlos Condit the way he came at Yancey Medeiros, he's going to put him away early. This might be like OAM versus Evan Dunham where, you know, Carlos Condit starts getting finished in that first round. You know how this shit goes. Once they reach that point, it doesn't start getting better. It starts getting worse. You know Carlos Condit is 2-6 in his last eight fights, Shaq? That's worse than the run Anthony Showtime Pettis is on right now. Carlos Condit hasn't been on a big run since 2012. 
Just think about that for a second. And I ain't no hater. I got a signed WEC belt with Carlos Condit and Dominic Cruz on my wall. But when it comes to making money, how the hell could you trust a guy like Carlos Condit, who's, who retired in 2016 after the, the Robbie Lawler fight? Then he comes back against Maya, gets finished in the first round. It's interesting because Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit, they both subsequently got finished in the first round after that five-round war. Kind of like... a. You know, Dunham and Benil, they had that three-round war in their next fights. They both got finished in under a minute. That's how the fight game goes. It's unforgiving. It doesn't give a shit about you. And I think those tie-ups, we, we already know in Carlos Condit's prime, his takedown defense sucked. I mean, he's got a 38% takedown defense. And what's Alex Cowboy's game? He likes to pin you up against the fence. He's got one of the nastiest clinch games in the entire sport. And when he starts ripping those knees, Shaq, it's not just uh, to kill clock. He breaks ribs with those knees. You remember what he did to Will Brooks? Will Brooks was never the same after that fight. Will Brooks couldn't even win a fight ever again after that fight. He breaks ribs. And I'm not going to be surprised if Alex Cowboy hits Condit with a knee to the midsection and, and Condit takes a knee, you know what I mean? If Condit says, okay, I've had enough. That being said, if Con you know, because Condit is a super tough guy and historically he has been durable, eventually that durability has to wear off. But if it goes a three-round distance, I think it'll be a 30-26 ass-whooping for uh, Alex Oliveira. And people like to talk about, oh, he's coming back too soon, this, too soon. This ain't Michael Bisbing, who's 40 years old, and he's coming back the same month that he got finished by GSB to fight Kelvin. This dude's taking about four to five months off. I don't see what the big deal is. He's a guy that likes to fight consistently. He's been in the gym. And he's a very, very physical guy. When Alex Cowboy puts his hands on you, when he puts his knees on you, you feel it. And I think uh, Carlos Conant's going to be in for a very, very long night. So, uh, yeah, I think either... Either Alex is going to charge at him with those straight punches and put him out like that. I think he might put him away with a knee to the midsection. Or simply, you know, uh, get those takedowns to add up, win the decision. All he's got to do in this spot is don't get caught. Because as you know, Shaq, Carlos Condit has 30 wins. 28 of those 30 wins are via finish. So that means that uh, Carlos Condit ain't exactly known for winning decisions. And we all, you know, many people know that the one decision he did win in the UFC against uh, Nick Diaz. A lot of people thought that Nick Diaz might have won that fight. So Carlos Condit isn't exactly uh, very uh, friendly on the judges' scorecard. So I, I think Alex Oliveira's got him covered here. I think he's going to go out here. I think he's going to finish Carlos Condit. So Alex Oliveira for the win. Now Shaq. Main event of the evening, and holy shit, man. Dustin versus Justin. Dustin the Diamond Poirier. He's minus 145. The comeback on Justin Gaethje is plus 125. Now it's an incredible fight. You know what's funny? Justin Gaethje is a 500 fighter in the UFC. Now I know it, you know, it's kind of funny to say that because he's only one and one, and it's against two very, very tough guys. But the facts are facts. You know, Dustin Poirier has been cutting his teeth since in the UFC and WC since he was just a kid. He's been paying his dues forever. And Justin Gaethje wants to come out here and take his spot. Who you got for the victory? Man, it's a great fight. Both of these guys, this is why they're in the main event, man. They, they go out there and they fight, and they always either launch guys or get launched, man. So this is, a, this is why it's going to be an instant classic. And as far as the matchup goes, I think uh, Justin Gaethje, you know, I'm not I'm not sure he learned anything from the Eddie Alvarez fight. Uh, you know, I've heard Trevor Whitman say, you know, there's really not much to change. Um, 
you know, they thought they had him. And, you know, they, some of the things they said kind of scared me, man, when, when it comes to taking damage. You know, he was uh, saying things like, if he would have lost a decision, it would have killed him, you know. So, you know, I, I respect the killer be killed mindset. But, you know, there's some players had to learn that way the hard way in the past with taking damage, you know. Poye was basically, or Gaethje is basically what Poye was, you know, as a kid, man, like just straight brawling inside the pocket, taking damage. And that's, you know, long-term does not always end up well. You know, I do fear that both guys one day aren't going to be able to take the, uh, take a punch. You know what I'm saying? They're both chinny. Let's be honest. I mean, I know every lightweight chinny, but both these guys are very chinny. We've seen, I mean, just look at Dustin's history at 145. He used to get wobbled every fight. I mean, Gaethje used to get wobbled every fight in a World Series of fighting. So we know what uh, type of guys uh, these guys are. And uh, But I think the difference is just the cleaner technique, man. I think uh, when they do trade inside the pocket, because, you know, Poye can say whatever he wants, Gaethje can say whatever he wants, these guys are going to slug and meet in the middle, and they're going to see who's going to fall down. And I think the cleaner technique of Poye will prevail. You know, what? Uh, you know, people are saying uh, if uh, – this fight goes into the later rounds. It favors Gaethje, and, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that. You know, I mean, that's his style. He likes to break guys over a long period of time, but I just think his technique is too sloppy. I think his, I think people think he has a better chin, but I'm not convinced. I mean, the guy's been wobbled by lesser fighters in the past. I mean, and he wobbles in a scary way, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go with Dustin Poirier by first-round KO. Um, straight left, right hook, something like that. I think Gaethje, I think it's going to be one of those instant classics for however long it lasts, but I just think uh, the cleaner technique will prevail. I think Dustin's not looking to take that type of damage. I think he's looking to slip and rip. And uh, I think uh, Gaethje will come back after this loss, but I think he's going to have to learn that uh, he needs to clean up some things. You know, I actually completely disagree with this narrative that, you know, if the fight goes later, it it uh, the advantage goes to Justin Gaethje. I mean, let's be honest here. Which one out of the two just got finished in the later rounds? Uh, it wasn't Dustin Poirier. It was Justin Gaethje. His exactly. His exactly. And, you know, they're making that argument because of the Eddie Alvarez fight. And, you know, the shots were illegal, man. I mean, look, he took three illegal knees to the head. Well, it is what it is, man. But as far as I'm concerned... I think the later rounds favor Dustin Poirier, and I'll tell you why. Because Justin Gaethje, he goes balls to the wall from the opening round, and he's always gassed out by the second round. Watch all his fights. It's just the guy is so damn tough. You know, people don't know he's actually a D1 wrestler. They don't know he's a D1 wrestler because he never uses it. But the reason I bring it up, not to, not because he might use takedowns in this fight, but just because he has that mentality and he is that damn tough. And that's the reason he's able to go the distance in most of his fights when he doesn't finish someone. I mean, you remember that time he went to a split with Melvin Gillard. But look, what I'm trying to say here, man, he throws everything with full force, 100% balls to the wall. And then his hands start coming down. And your hands start coming down against a guy like Dustin Poirier. And uh, you might be, uh, you might be uh, down on your back looking up at the lights. You know, I think the scariest moments for Poirier are actually early in the fight. And the two times he's been knocked out were by guys that are way faster than Justin Gaethje. Now, I know someone's going to say, oh, but Gaethje finished one of those guys, Michael Johnson. It's like, yeah, Gaethje finished a weathered Michael Johnson. Gaethje finished a Michael Johnson that Khabib literally gave a tour of the octagon to. So, you know, that wasn't the same guy. That wasn't the Blackyow that Dustin Poirier fought. So, you look. I think Dustin can also win this fight early, too. I mean, how many first-round finishes does he have, you know? And he's been finishing real guys in the first round. I'm talking about guys like Bobby Green. I'm talking about guys like Carlos Diego Ferreira. 
So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Dustin Poirier is the much better fighter here. He's cleaner here. But as we know, even though he's trying to be more defensively responsible, Dustin Poirier can't help himself sometimes. Dustin Poirier loves to get into a good old-fashioned brawl. And that's what Justin Gaethje wants. Justin Gaethje wants to break him down with leg kicks. It's going to be interesting because Poirier is a southpaw. However, Gaethje showed that he's able to get off on leg kicks against southpaws in that fight with Michael Johnson. You know, he has to go with the front leg leg kick. But that being said, man, I think uh, Dustin's going to have an answer for him. And as long as he doesn't do anything stupid, I think he's going to come out here. I think he's going to knock Justin Gaethje out. Justin Gaethje's going to be 1-2 and two in the UFC. And it's funny because before this fight, Justin Gaethje was, you know, he was calling uh, Dustin Poirier a crybaby. And, well, now he got the Dustin Poirier fight. And now he's calling Vic a crybaby. And, you know, after he goes 1-2 and two by getting knocked out by Poirier, he's going to be 1-2 and two in the UFC. You know, that's the only one and two opponent that Vic will fight because he's ranked ahead of him. We'll see uh, who the crybaby is when Justin Gaethje's one and three in the UFC. So, look, he's very exciting. You know, I love Leonard Garcia, too. These guys come and stand and bang. But, I mean, if you think there's longevity in a style like that, you're a fucking idiot. So, you know, he might catch Dustin Poirier here. I highly doubt it. I, I got Poirier inside the distance. Now, before we talk about these prelims, we got to remind these guys that April is a huge month. Look, already got one event behind us, undefeated, clean sweep, 2-0, 6.75 units. Now we got this event right here. We have a max bet on the line. We have a nice total on the line. We might even have an underdog play. And then we got next week with Atlantic City. And it's not over then, Shaq. We got a max bet in Bellator too. So they got to know. Go to bestfightpicks.com, use the promo code MATADOR, M-A-T-A-D-O-R, with a lowercase m, to save 15% off any package, Shaq. Yeah, man, it's a serious month, man. April, especially Atlantic City. I'm telling you, Atlantic City, Atlantic City is going to be uh, one of the biggest gold mines of the year, man. It's some easy matchups on that card. I hope everyone can get down. We're going to get the easy money fights and uh we're going to keep cashing and going undefeated on these uh, cards, man. These are the, the pay-per-views, the pay-per-view stretches. You know, we got Brazil and, you know, we got those USA fight nights, man. These are the uh, gold mine opportunities. And I heard there's a rumor that we might not only have one max bet for next week. We might have two max bets for UFC AC. Yeah, man, you know, multiple max bets, and you guys already know what happens uh, when I say it's max bet season. Just go ahead and pull your money out, and it's going to cash. But it all starts this weekend because, you know, we got a big one on the line. But that's all I got to say. I can't give anything away. All I got to say is bestfightpicks.com. Use the promo code MATADOR. Save 15%. And let's get this fucking money. Now, Shaq, let's talk about these fight pass prelims real quick, man, because, look, we got Luke Sanders. He's a minus 460 favorite. The comeback on Patrick Williams is plus 365. Now, uh, talking about habitual underperformers, how about this kid Luke Sanders, Shaq? Yeah, man, Luke Sanders, uh, it's sad because I think he's very skilled offensively. He definitely knows how to uh, crack chins. And um, Patrick Williams is probably the worst fighter on the roster. I mean, he's, let's be honest here, he's complete garbage. I mean, <laughs> I don't think the guy trains. The guy's a uh, what I like to call a a halftime fighter, a part time fighter. He uh, just put it this way: fighting in his first job, uh, you know, he works a job on the side. And I mean, just look at when he goes in there and fights; he's all over the place, no cardio. But the one thing about Patrick Williams is a lot of people don't know is he's the hardest hitter in the bantamweight division. And uh, you know, a lot of people will say I'm uh, crazy for saying that, but damn, it's facts, ain't it? 
hey, when all the fighters got flown out to the Performance Institute, my boy Patty Eyes, Patrick Williams, was ranked right behind Francis Ngannou in pure punching power. So I'm not sure if that can be disputed, Shaq. I mean, let's be honest. When we watch his fights, everyone that he touches gets He's dropped all of his opponents. Just put it that way. I mean, he's wobbled all of his opponents, and the power in his right hand is serious. And Luke Sanders, I mean, this guy strikes me as, you know, a, a, a Misha Serkinov type of guy. If you put him in one bad spot, the fight's going to be over. As you can clearly see, I mean, he lost to Andre Sukumtach, and you guys already heard our uh, opinion on Andre Sukumtach a few episodes ago. Uh, Just put it this way, I'm not sure if Andre Sukumtach is going to win another UFC fight, but Luke Sanders, I mean, Andre Sukumtach might have thrown one or two punches the entire first round. I mean, Luke, you're going to win a decision. All you got to do is pick your shots. He's clearly not answering back. And uh, what does he do? He gets frustrated and charges in with his face first, and he gets caught, and he goes down stiff, and you know, I, I, he just strikes me as a, he might have a little mental lapse in there, man. I think he loses focus. What happened when he was beating Yuri Alcantara's ass and then he illegally needs him when he's 10 aiding him and he illegally, illegally needs him and loses a point. Imagine if you're betting on him, Dan, in that spot and he loses a point. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You go from having a 10-8 round to, you know, losing a point and making this fight super sketchy. And then even after that, the way he was trading inside the pocket, you know, I think this fight is going to be over quick. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Patrick Williams caught him within the first couple minutes because I think he does have that type of power. But I do think Patrick Williams is a joke. And I think uh, if he if he can't finish him within that one minute, he'll just uh, go down eventually, man. I think he... Uh, I think uh, Luke is skilled enough offensively to just uh, land that left hand and put him down and uh, send Patrick Williams his uh, pink slip and his walking papers. But I think this fight's going to be over quick. You know, both of these guys are one and two in the UFC, but you know who's got the better win between the two of them? It ain't it ain't Luke Sanders, you know. What's a better win, Maximo Blanco or motherfucking Alejandro Perez? Patrick Williams finished Alejandro Perez in the first round. Look, Patrick Williams, even though he's kind of a joke, even though if this fight goes past the first round, he's going to have his hands on his hips. He's going to look like he's not UFC caliber, but the guy hits like a goddamn truck. You watch it, just watch his UFC career. That fight with Chris Beals, the ugliest shit you've ever seen. But when he connects... I mean, dude's eyes roll back. And then his fight with Alejandro puts him away in the first round. No one else has ever even been able to beat Alejandro. Alejandro's 6-1 in the UFC. Then he takes on, you know, Tom uh, Dukenwa, you know, the the fire kid, the the, the fraud kid. And <laughs> Dukenwa's a minus 1,000 favorite in that spot. Dukenwa's getting dropped all over the place in that spot. And, you know, eventually he found a way to win because if you can't find a way to win against Patrick Williams, then uh, you probably don't belong in the UFC. But that being said, man, Luke Sanders, the the theme of this show, my friend, has been habitual underperformers, just like his teammate Courtney Casey. You know, what's Luke going to do to find a – how's Luke going to fuck this one up, man? You know, because he's got every advantage. He's the way better fighter. He should whoop Patrick Williams' ass easily. But watch him find a way to lose this one. You know, that fight with Yuri Alcantara, and Yuri's a real warrior. Yuri's a guy I have a ton of respect for. But the fight was in the bag. He had that shit won. And, uh, look, you know, it's one thing to get tapped by a knee bar. You know, knee bars are, if you've ever done jujitsu before, you know you're going to tap to that shit because you don't want to fucking get your knee broken. But, look. Have you ever seen Tyson Griffin versus Frankie Edgar? You see what someone with real heart does when they're in a deep knee bar? You know what I'm saying? Fucking Frankie Edgar puts his thumbs up, no big deal. 
Luke Sanders, it wasn't even deep yet. As soon as there was even any threat of the limb being attacked, he's tapping that mat right away. So I agree when you say that there's something you know wrong mentally with Luke Sanders. But I also will say the kid's got a very powerful left hand. But Patrick Williams has a very powerful right hand. These two are very heavy hitters. I don't see this fight lasting very long. And you know what? Fuck it, man. I'm going to go with my boy Patty Ice for the upset. I say he starches Luke Sanders in the first round. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Pat Williams here. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, and I'm surprised this is uh, the second fight of the night because these are two, as far as I'm concerned, these are two top 15 guys. We got Matthew Lopez. He's minus 130. The comeback on Alejandro Turbo Perez is plus 110. Now, look, Alejandro is the king weasel at 135 pounds you know a lot of people listen to half the battle now they like to use our term weasel which is fine because imitation is the sincerest form of flattery but is my boy alejandro going to be able to weasel this one out here against the top 15 guy in lopez you know every fight uh every fight we, everyone gets tricked into thinking alejandro's opponent is going to stop his weaseling and uh you know we're going to see what happens this weekend man alejandro like we said on the passes the best weasel in the division. He can get dropped multiple times in rounds and still win the rounds. He can uh, get your his uh, opponent, you know, a point deducted. I mean, you know, he he's that type of guy. He's gonna find he finds ways to win. You know, his only loss is a complete fluke. If we're being honest, you know what I'm saying. Um, so I mean, let's just act like he's uh, undefeated in the, in the UFC. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and you know, Matthew Lopez, man, he's had a a tough uh, UFC career, you know, his debut fighting in Sonny, you know, I thought he showed great heart in that fight, but there's a consistent theme in, a, uh, in his fights when they go along, you know, you know, his cardio, I think his cardio is in question, you know, Hami did completely gas him out and broke him down, you know, but then one would count on me with what happens with Mitch Gagnon fight when he beat his ass. Dan, uh, go ahead and read me uh, Mitch Gagnon's wins again. So he got into the top 15 by beating Mitch Gagnon. Mitch Gagnon has wins over Wallel Watson, Dustin Kimura, Tim Gorman, and Roman Salazar. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then you know, he fights Johnny Eduardo, who's coming off, uh, uh, you know, almost two-year layoff after getting choked out by Aljamain. And, you know, Johnny tried to pull a Brazilian weasel tactic and roll for a leg lock, and he got his head smashed in the match. So, you know, congrats. And then he fights a, a Suntown. And, you know, he took a Suntown down in the first round. He fought well, but make no mistake about it. He missed weight. He looked really heavy, and he got broken down and knocked out. And Alejandro's that type of guy where his opponents get super frustrated. I feel like Lopez could get lured in, man. If he thinks Alejandro's gonna come in and make a stupid mistake, uh, uh-uh, man, he's gonna Alejandro's gonna make Lopez come to him and uh, get him frustrated. And don't be shocked when the crowd's booing, and you know you're looking at your TV and the, and uh, whoever's uh, doing the commentaries uh, complaining about how boring of a fight it is. Yeah, go ahead and. Uh, Go ahead and expect that because my boy Alejandro Turbo Perez is going to weasel out another decision. He's going to move on to 6-1 and one in the UFC. And I think Lopez is going to fight tough, but I think he's going to look silly out there in times, man. I think he's going to be a super – I think his square his stance is going to get square, uh, square a lot. I think he's going to get countered. And I think when he uh, tries to shoot in, I think Alejandro's too square meter for him to get consistent takedowns throughout this fight. But we'll see. You know, people think uh, Alejandro's chin's in question, and we will see. But what about Lopez's chin, man? He gets square a lot. He's been dropped by Mitch Gagnon, Hassan Tal, and uh, I think he's a little bit too overly aggressive sometimes. He likes to throw one too many punches like we saw in that Mitch Gagnon fight. And uh, I think this is a perfect opponent for Alejandro to weasel on. 
Yeah, and, you know, shout-out to Matthew Lopez for getting wins over Mitch Gagnon and Johnny Eduardo. But last time I checked, look, they were giving Johnny Eduardo the senior citizen discount at the movies last week. So, you know, I don't really put too much stock into a win like that. And Alejandro, man... The reason that he's been able to win all these decisions, it's not like he's paying off the judges. I mean, that footwork's on point. Ever since he won Tough Latino America the first season when he beat Jose Canonas. And I don't know if you guys seen what my boy Jose Teco Canonas has been doing lately, but that's a serious fighter right there. And Alejandro beat him in his UFC debut. Well, Alejandro's been at AKA. He's on the mats every day with guys like Khabib. He's in there. He's in the same training room as guys like Daniel Cormier. So he's been around champions his whole UFC career. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what's leading him to all these victories, man. That footwork is so on point. He doesn't put himself in any unnecessary danger. He knows how to get those takedowns at the end of rounds. He's what we like to call a winner. As far as Matthew Lopez is concerned, you know, he's a strong wrestler. He's got knockout power, but on the feet, he's way too stationary. He's way too lackadaisical. It's one punch at a time. Now, don't get me wrong. That one punch uh, hits you on the chin. You know, anyone could go down. These are four-ounce gloves we're talking about. But the long-term battle, 100, you know, 100%, 9 times out of 10, 90% <laughs> is going to Alejandro Perez. If you go to a decision with Alejandro Perez, don't expect to win that fight. So for Matthew Lopez to win this one, and I, I know it's in his hometown and this and that, Matthew's got to get consistent takedowns, and he's got to hold Alejandro down in. I just don't see that happening. I really feel like that work at AKA has been paying dividends for Alejandro. You see guys like Yuri Alcantara, and I know Yuri is known as a striker, but, you know, Yuri's taken down most of his UFC opponents, you know, whether it's with foot sweeps or body locks or whatever, man. It's just he finds a, he scrambles and then he finds a way on his back, but he takes down a lot of dudes. When he tried to take down Alejandro, Alejandro changes that takedown attempt into a takedown attempt of his own. So Alejandro's been putting in serious work. He looks to me like the top 15 guy here. I think he's going to outpoint Matthew Lopez uh, to a 15-minute decision here. I think it's going to be unanimous. So, you know, the, the odds makers opened at minus 150 Alejandro. The public shifted the line the other way. Now it's plus 110 Alejandro. I see value in that. My pick is Alejandro Perez. Now next up in the heavyweight division, we got Arjan Bueller. He's minus 400, and the comeback on Adam Wajarek is plus 325. Now Shaq. The line opened minus 150 for Arjan. Now it's minus 400. And last time Adam Washerek fought, he came through for us on that uh, on that win against uh, Anthony Hamilton. But uh, safe to say this is a step up from Anthony Hamilton, huh? Yeah, man. You know, Dan. I mean, let's be honest here. We can name. I mean, we can name bantamweights that could beat Anthony Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got Jimmy Rivera over Anthony Hamilton. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, thanks, Adam, for the win, but he made it a lot sketchier than I thought it was going to be. You know, Adam's one of those guys where he's very easy to beat by decision, man. And Arjun already shows me that he's got that nice point fighting base to fall back on. We already know his wrestling credentials. I think uh, he's got great potential. I, I definitely see the uh, power translating down the line, possibly this fight. I think Adam's one of these more home run type of fighters. You know, he likes to go on his back looking for arm bars and triangles. And, you know, if that works, you know, shout out to him. But I think uh, Arjan uh, ties him up for three rounds, lands some more effective shots, possibly a knockout. But I'm going to go ahead and say decision. Um, I just think Adam's way too loose on the feet. You know, I just think he uh, still green needs more seasoning. But I think uh, Arjan's going to take this and take it rather handedly. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the public steamed him for a reason. You, you know, we talk about fading the public, but I think they're right on this one. I think Arjan's UFC debut kind of reminded me of when Daniel Cormier fought Jeff Monson. And go back and watch that. You know, he's got the wrestling credentials, but he wants to test his stand-up for the 15 minutes. And, you know, get those takedowns at the end of the rounds. And we know Wajarek, he's got very poor takedown defense. Look, if if Arjan tries to keep the standing for all 15 minutes, that'll give Adam opportunities to get off on some strikes. But let's be honest, Adam is kind of a smaller heavyweight, and he's probably going to get bodied here. So I, I'm going to go with Arjan uh, via decision here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got ATL zone, Diego Lima. He's minus 115, and Yushin Okami is minus 105. Now, this is Yushin's welterweight debut in the UFC. He's fought at welterweight in other leagues, but in the UFC, it's his welterweight debut. My boy, Diego, desperately needs a win. Who you got? Man, I'm happy to see my boy, Diego, back in the UFC. Um, he looks in really good shape for this fight. And, you know, unfortunately, in the past, things didn't go his way. That chin didn't hold up. The Lee fight, the Tim Means fight, um, even his fight that he won, you know, he got wobbled in that fight as well. And, you know, he, he might be one of these guys where he might be a tough house fighter. And I know you know what that means. Some guys just win and tough, and they can't. It doesn't translate to the real case where it matters, you know. So Diego could be one of those guys. And Diego has shown me, you know, alarming things in the past. You know, the Jason Jackson fight, you know, I don't know what that was. He pretty much shot in and kind of quit, like, right away. Um, but, you know, he is fighting Yushin, and Yushin's an old man. Yushin's been getting his ass beat for a long time, Dan. Um, and, you know, his age with all that weight cutting, it's, uh, you know, he's a, definitely a hard guy to trust. I actually kind of disagree with this line. I, I actually think Yushin should be the favorite here. Um, I think he's better in the clinch. I think he hits harder. And um, I just really can't say where Diego has any advantages in this fight, but you can't really trust either one of these guys with their chins. I'm going to go and take Diego just because he's a hometown guy, but it wouldn't shock me either way. Um, I think he's uh, going to pull off a food knockout or something. Look, I got to go with Diego because I'm not about to go see Diego and Douglas next week at the NFC event and get my ass whooped for uh, picking Yushin Okami. You know what I'm saying? Look, I think the youth is on Diego's side, and uh, if he can keep that chin protected, He's got a very good chance here against Yushin Okami. So, you know, Yushin dropping to 170 it says a lot about the state of the sport because, uh, you know, you remember when he was one of the bigger middleweights? Remember when he moved up to 205? I mean, the guy... Uh, hey, my, what happens when, that's what happens when you take steroids out of <laughs> my, my boy uh, Yushin needs his Japanese supplements badly. So uh, I'm going to go with Diego Lima here for the win. Now, real quick, you don't need to give a breakdown. Just give a quick pick. Shayna Dobson or Lauren Mueller? They're both minus 110. I'm going to take Lauren Mueller because she's hotter. Yeah, uh, look, Lauren Mueller, she's minus 110. Shayna's minus 110. Uh, Lauren Mueller is the hotter chick, and she likes dudes. So I I'm going to go with Lauren Mueller. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Shayna Dobson because my boy Vic said that she's actually got a lot of potential. And I remember her last fight against Ariel Beck. Uh, she made her quit. So that was kind of cool when you see chicks uh, stop other chicks with strikes. I got Lauren Mueller here because I think uh, I know what the UFC are trying to do with this one. Last but not exactly. least, Gilbert Durinho Burns versus Dan Moret. Now, Shaq, real quick, you know what they got Gilbert Durinho Burns lined at right now? Yeah, you know, look, personally, wait, 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 Gilbert wait, wait. Burns. You, do you know what they got Gilbert Durinho lined at right now? Like 9600, I think. Shaq, Gilbert the punching bag Durinho Burns is minus 610 
and the comeback on Dan Moret is plus four fifty-five. Yeah. Look, you know, in my opinion, if you're thinking Gilbert Burns is that easy, you know, parlay, free money, you know, that type of term, you know, hey, go ahead and find out. Personally, of course, I know I think he's going to win this fight, but that's definitely a guy I will never trust. Um, of course, Moret, inexperienced. Burns way more experience. Burns, I just don't think he's uh, very tough. I think when things get t- uh if anything major happens that goes wrong, I think he's uh, the type of guy that will fold. Even though he has pulled off comeback wins in the past, even though they were flukes. But uh, I'm going to go with Burns here, first or second round submission. Uh, even though Moret's one of these lab guys and he's tough, we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can uh, avoid the submission and uh, get a late finish here. But uh, I'll go with Gilbert Burns. Look, I'll let everyone in on a secret. You know, one of the plays that we released to our clients was a couple weeks back, OAM, to beat Gilbert Burns. And, you know, we thought that was actually a very easy spot to take advantage of the punching bag known as Gilbert Burns. But in this spot with uh, Dan Moret, look, Dan loves to play off his back. He loves to go for submissions. And uh, that ain't about to work against Gilbert Zarino because if there's one thing we can give him credit for is his jiu-jitsu. And, you know, a bit of his toughness, too. I mean, the guy, you know, he's very hard to finish inside the UFC. He is experienced. So, uh, he's a big, tough guy. You know what I'm saying. I, Gilbert's probably going to win this one. But uh, we'll, look to, we'll look to fade Gilbert Torino very soon because he is a very fadeable guy, my friend. Now, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, let's hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, what's going on? Hey, man, not much. Uh, glad we got another card this week after that mess last week. Uh, hopefully it'll stay together. Well, I mean, I'm pretty damn sure you're glad that Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje are in the main event. Guaranteed violence. Let's not even beat around the bush. Who you got? I got to go Poirier. Um, I think uh, it's just going to get into later rounds, and Gaethje just can't keep up that pace forever. Uh, so I think Poirier will mix in some takedowns, uh, hopefully stay away from the leg kicks. Uh, but I like both of them, of course. Uh, you can't just fade one in DraftKings. Uh, 100% of my lineups are going to have this fight in it, most likely. Uh, I'm just going to have more with Poirier. I think he's going to get it done maybe maybe third, fourth round uh, with the TKO. Uh, so he's going to be in more of my lineups. You could stack this in cash. Um, but, yeah, I cannot wait to watch it. Uh, looking forward to it. Alex Cowboy Oliveira stepping up on short notice, which he is known to do. He's taking on the legend. Carlos Condit, uh, you think Condit's got something left in the tank, or are you taking the short notice Philip? I mean, as a Condit fan, I hope he does, but I, I mean, I got to go on the popular side here and take Oliveira to win this. Uh, it's just a bad matchup for Condit, really, stylistically and towards the end of his career. <clears throat> and he just looked like shit last fight, so uh, I'm, I'm picking Cowboy to win here. I might have some exposure to both sides because I do think Cowboy will be pretty popular. So I'll take some stabs at Condit just because I like to uh, to zag when everyone else is uh, to zag when everyone else is zagging. So I'll be a little bit different there just to be opposite of the field. But yeah, I got to go with Oliveira for the most part. Now Israel Adesanya is making his return, but he's got to step up this time in Marvin Vittori. Uh, you leaning with the underdog Vittori? Or you think the the hype train of Israel is going to continue here? I'm, I'm gonna pick Israel. Uh, I'm already a big fan of this guy. I like, uh, I like everything about his stand-up. So I do hope we do see some stand-up in this fight. Uh, and if that's the case, I think he's going to win by a TKO or KO. Uh, but it's a tough test, man. Vittori, 
especially at, uh, what is it here, uh, 7100 on DraftKings. That's $2,000 cheaper than Israel. I think he's a better DraftKings play uh, than anything else, really. If you're going to take a stab at him, I think this is the place to do it. Put 7100 on him, and then you could pay up for other favorites. Um, and if, if he's going to win, it's probably going to be by getting takedowns. Uh, and I can also see like a 60-point win from Israel just be uh, held against the fence for the first round or two, getting no points, and then maybe winning in the third or a decision. So I don't know uh, know exactly what I'm going to do with this because I do think Vittorio will be pretty popular. I'm thinking I'll just be underweight to the field uh, as a whole. Antonio Carlos Jr. is taking on Tim Bosch. Look, we know Carlos Jr. has been looking better than ever, <clears> but <throat> Tim Bosch, has a knack for the upset. I have a feeling the winner of this fight is going to be a high point scorer. Which way are you going? Yeah, uh, I got to go both sides on this one as well because it is going to be high no matter which side it is. But I'm going to go with Carlos Jr. I think he does get it to the ground, probably pulls off a submission at some point. Um, so I'll have more of him than I will Bosch. But if Bosch wins, it's going to be because he knocks him out. Uh, and that's going to be, I mean, it doesn't matter what round. It could be the first round. If that happens, he's going to score over 100 points. So I can't fade him completely. Uh, but this is another good fight that if you're going to go 100% on a fight, this is the one to do it right here. But I'll pick Carlos Jr. to win. So Muslim Salikov is taking on Ricky Rainey. Now in Muslim's debut, you know, he didn't get the stand-up fight he wanted. With Ricky Rainey, he will get that stand-up fight. Someone's going to get knocked out in this one. Which way are you leaning? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the favorite. I think Salikov will, uh, will get it done and, and I mean, hopefully live up to the hype, but I don't really know, man. I still have some film to watch on these guys. I don't really have a good read on it yet, but if I'm leaning one way right now, it's going to be Salikov, uh, or fade completely. And, and I'm pretty sure it's safe to assume you're going to be passing on Brad Tavares versus Christoph Jocko. Look, it's going to be an intriguing battle, but I'd have to assume these two aren't going to be high point scorers on draft games. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know if I'll fade that. I think if there's a side I'm going to take, it's going to be Jotko just because he's 7,400. Um, and you got to pick the dog somewhere. So I think the, the betting line's pretty close on that one. So I'll, I'll probably take some stabs at Jotko or, or maybe even have him in my cash lineup to have a safer punt. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really have any interest in Tavares at all at, I think, 8,800, uh, which is just ridiculous for the way he fights. Uh, I don't see how he pays off that salary. But the one thing I will say is if you're trying to win that $20,000 in the $8 tournament, uh, nobody's going to have Tavares. So if he does go out there and get a first-round knockout, nobody's going to have him. So that could be a sneaky play. I just don't think I'm going to be on it. Well, for everyone listening, the last time he got a first-round knockout was against Phil Baroni. Very long yeah. time ago. So uh, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. But you never know. This is MMA. So that being said, man, I have a feeling, and you know, I, I don't want to say I know for a fact because I don't know anything for a fact, but I have a strong inkling that Luke Sanders and Patrick Williams is going to be a very violent fight. I mean, look, all of Patrick Williams' fights, I mean, someone's gotten finished. All of Luke Sanders' UFC fights, someone's gotten finished. Someone's getting finished in this one. You think it's going to be uh, the underdog Pat Williams or the big favorite Luke Sanders? Yeah, I got to say Pat Williams gets finished here. Um... He just doesn't have the gas tank to go 15 minutes, so uh, it's going to end at some point. Um, and if, if he does win, it's probably going to be first round as well. So um, this is another spot. If you want to take some punts on Patrick Williams, I think that's okay because if he wins, he's going to outscore his price for sure. Um, but I think Luke Sanders is going to get this done. Uh, in the first two rounds, I think he'll just be too much, put up too high of a pace for Patrick Williams. He won't be able to handle it, and he's just going to drown him and uh, end up getting that TKO. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely going to have more Sanders, but I'll take a stab or two at Williams just in case. 
And last but not least, RJ Bueller. He opened minus 150. Now he's minus 400. And I know in his UFC debut, you know, he was kind of testing the waters a little bit. But I have a feeling this time he's going to come out here. He might score a lot of takedowns. As you've told me many times, Kyle, takedown score points in DraftKings. Is uh, RJ a guy we got to have on our lineups? No, I don't think you have to have him. Um, I'm not going to have any of his opponent. Uh, so Arjan will be where I go if I'm picking this fight. Uh, but it's it's more of a fade, I think, than uh, than anything. Uh, he's the third highest priced guy at 9,200. Um, so I would like him to score at least 92 points in a win, which he can do. Uh, so I won't fade him completely. But I just think there's better people. Like I would rather go Sanders right above him if I could. Um, so I think it's more of a fade than anything, but I'll have zero white Zurek and maybe a couple Buellers, uh, just because I do think he's going to get the win. Just don't know how, uh, how he scores. So last but not least, cause I kind of need your opinion on this one. And it's interesting because look, Diego Lima and Yushin Okami, they're not known for finishing people, but every time they've lost a fight in the UFC, at least recently, they've been finished in spectacular fashion. So are, are you thinking maybe put one of these guys on your lineups or are you passing altogether? Man, I don't know. I'm hoping somehow I can get a read here within the next few days because I do think it could be a tricky fight to put in your lineup. Uh, I think it'll both be lower owned in tournaments, so that interests me. But I really am having a hard time picking a side, so it's I almost want to fade it just because I don't want to throw both of them in lineups and then end up wasting lineups that I don't really believe in. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do with this fight yet, but as of now, I'm fading it. Um, that could change, uh, but only in tournaments. I won't have either one of these guys in a cash lineup. Well, Kyle, that is why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Always appreciated, my man. We'll speak next week. The fans can follow you at Big Marley 3. Talk to you soon, brother. All right, bro. Take care. And once again, uh, that's why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. You know, he had a max bet on Hanato Moicano, my man, and uh, Hanato put on the performance of his career. Yeah, man, Hanato showed everyone why he's a top three guy, and so did uh, Kyle Marley. This is true. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Glendale? My fight to watch is going to be uh, Brad Tavares versus Christoph Jaco. I mean, Christoph Jaco is possibly might take three L's in a row here, so I know he's going to come out looking the best he ever has. And, I mean, I feel truly believe like Brad Tavares – is a, a bad matchup for a lot of guys in that top 10, man. So, and, you know, they got him ranked at number 15. And it's interesting because um, Uriah Hall, whose teammates are bad to ours, just fought Christoph Jacko. So that's another, uh, another uh, side of the story. And Christoph, man, uh, it's going to be uh, – let's see if he, uh, how he performs with his back against the wall. And if Brad wins this, this is a four or five win streak. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's definitely one of the fights to watch. Now, I'm going to be really boring. I'm going to pick the main event because, look, if you have to call your friends that have never watched the UFC before, they don't know about the sport of MMA, and you have to tell them, look, there's this one fight you have to watch between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. I mean, that's the one because you know for a fact these guys aren't going to hump each other's legs. These guys aren't going to push each other up against the fence and make the crowd boo. You're not going to you know, ask for a refund for your tickets in this one. This is going to be a fight where you sit at the edge of your seat, where you're standing, when you're throwing shit at the TV. I mean, this is going to be fucking bananas. And uh, someone's going to go out cold in this fight. I have a feeling I know who it is, but the bottom line is, this is my fight to watch. Justin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. It doesn't get any better than that. Now, Shaq. Who is your fighter to watch for UFC on Fox 29? 
My fighter to watch is going to be Dustin Poirier. I mean, this guy has worked his way to the top five in two different weight classes. He's been in the, the Zufa company since he was 19 years old. I mean, he can uh, answer, you know, one of those, uh, that, that legend status, man, if he wins this fight, even though he already is a legend, but he can enter a different uh, type of legend status. And, I mean, if he wins this fight, he's probably one win away for a title fight. I mean, he can fight Tony. I mean, who knows, man? He might fight Khabib. So, this is the biggest fight of his career. It's been a long time coming. And uh, if he wins this fight, man, it's, uh, he would have worked his way all the way up from the bottom, man. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Poirier is always one of the fighters to watch. For me, the fighter to watch is Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Look, Cowboy Cerrone... You know, he he only has a couple fights left. He's going to retire soon. So there's a new cowboy in town, and that's Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And he literally is the definition of a cowboy. I mean, this guy was a bull rider before he became a professional fighter. He's always taking fights on short notice. He'll fight anyone, anytime, any place. And he's super exciting, too, as well. If he can go out there and get this win over a guy like Carlos Condit, anytime you see the name Carlos Condit on someone's resume, it just elevates your career to that next level. And Alex is already 7-4 and four in the UFC. To get his eighth win inside the octagon against a household name like Carlos Condit will only propel his, his name and his career to that next level into the top 15 because, as you know, somehow Carlos Condit still is ranked in the top 15. So for that reason, Shaq, Alex Cowboy Oliveira is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday. Make sure you guys tune in early because those Fox cards are always early in the afternoon. UFC Glendale, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Follow our official Instagram at Best Fight Picks Official. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews on iTunes. Send a screenshot of that five-star review on iTunes. We'll hook you up with that free bet. And uh, Shaq, you got any message for the fans before we talk next week? UFC Atlantic City, one of the biggest nights in the history of the company. Sign up. It's going to be a huge night. Possible multiple max bets. And uh, let's get it, man. Let's cash these bets. And uh, let's keep the money train rolling. Yes, sir. We've won four out of the last five events. They've all been undefeated clean sweeps. We've literally only lost one bet in that entire span of five events. And it was that Ankalaya fluke. Aside from that, we've been perfect. We've been clean. Looking to keep that up. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.